0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show. I've got a conversation with Barry Graham Perkis, a.k.a. Thunderstick, to share with you. Now, the catalyst for the chat with my mate from the United Kingdom is due to another album. I'm very excited. A new one from Thunderstick. This one is called... Lockdown. It'll see light of day later on in 2023, and of course, we talk all about that. But Barry is a legend. He's been around for so long, he had a profound impact on the very early, the burgeoning new wave of British heavy metal as Iron Maiden's drummer for a 12 month period there through 1977 and 1978. And of course, he was the drummer in Samson. That is the group from which Bruce Dickinson left to join Iron Maiden, therefore helping the band become the colossus that we all love them for. Now, if you're listening via Rumble and the podcast apps I've got a tune to share with you, it's a new version of Go Sleep With The Enemy, I Dare You." and once it's done, we'll dive into the chat with Barry, for everybody else, you people on YouTube, I mean, let's listen to what Barry has to say right now, either way, let's go. I got something I need to say. time no speed
1: wow man how you been it has been a long time as well jesus i
0: had to check actually you know it's been almost six years to the day since we last caught up
1: it's insane isn't it? it really is uh, it, it's talks
0: flown in, by. Uh, it talks about hey, how quickly time goes by too but it also means that mate your is established you've done it meaning that you had this album this cracker of an album come out before something wicked this way comes And here we are with a follow up, and that's—I don't—I'm not going to necessarily say it's rare, but you bloody as you bloody well know, it's hard work.
1: Yeah, it's hard work. It has been really, really hard work. I mean, how much of it do you want to know about?
0: I'll put it all out on the table. I think this time around, mate, go for it. Wherever you want to start, let's do it.
1: Okay. Um, So we go back to 2019. Um, let's go back a little bit further. Something Wicked, 2017. Mm. Um, I was never really 100% about it. I thought the musicianship was on it was great. Uh, um, I know that um, people had uh, mixed feelings regarding Lucy V who was on it. Some of you really loved it and thought she was great. Others went, mm, not really sure about it and all that. Mm. So um, there was... Um, uh, there was never a, a live band for that to promote that album ever um when i recorded that album i had no intention of putting a live band together uh, and then bit by bit i thought you know what maybe it is right to put a live band together so i did that um there were a couple of uh, newbies that came in which uh, uh, there was um, vixen mm. came came with her boyfriend guitarist baz um, it soon became quite apparent that, you know what it's like, you know, in this kind of volatile environment, uh, there are a lot of times that um, partnerships don't work and they didn't work within the the confines of Thunderstick. And um, not only that, but they had their own band and they had their own agenda and they were trying to sell their own band on the back of Thunderstick, which really kind of got to me. So uh, we parted company. That was that. I then found a new. I had um, uh, a friend of mine, Dave John Ross from Moore, from mm-hmm. a band called Moore. Suddenly called me up and he said, "Have you seen this vocalist that you might be interested in?" Because he knew he knew that I was on the lookout. Anyway, long story short is that I went along and saw um, Raven, and I just. Flips. I was really so impressed with her vocal style, uh, her stage presence, etc. So um, I offered her a, a position in the band. Um, she'd never sung. She'd done. She'd done hard rock, but she'd never done something that was as loud and as bombastic as Thunderstick. So um, we got together in a rehearsal studio, and it, it worked out fine. So we go on to. Um, we go to 2019 and I started putting down the drum tracks for the new album. And I had the, because it had been two years and I had the intention of release in, t- in 2020 and mm-hmm. thought, Oh yeah, that's great. So I, it was leading up to Christmas. I, I put the drum tracks down Um. I did those not in a proper recording studio because of financial restraints, but in the rehearsal studio that we used to use. And, um, the guy that owned that rehearsal studio, he had a lot of, um, of equipment and he was kind of branching out into recording. So I was uh, one of the first guinea pigs to to try out his system, you know, um, and at the time, I thought great because this is it saved me all kinds of money by doing it this way. But later on down the line, it proved to be a real headache because of ambience and because of uh, spillage on all the mics and one thing and another. You yeah. you know what I'm talking about. You know, it just there was no definitive dry signal from any of the drum mics. They were all yeah. interspersed and interlapsed. So anyway, we did that. I started doing the bass tracks, and lo and behold, COVID hit. hit. And mm. then suddenly, we were, you know, as far as a, um, a legal directive, we were all told that we got to stay at home. And um we did that. And I just thought, Jesus, how am I going to get this album out? How am I going to finish it? So um, by that time, I let the two guitarists go because of various issues and so we were a hard uh, a a basic band of three three personnel and that was rex the bass player who had been with me on something wicked and um and raven and uh i thought well you know this is good because in actual fact it took a lot of pressure off my shoulders to to have a band that i was answerable to during a period of inactivity and. so I thought, great, that's fine. It, that just suits me down, down to the ground. Anyway, I started looking at um, the tracks that we got. I recorded the bass digitally um, and just through software. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, and yet again, uh, you you know that there is no substitute for a, a mic that is picking up movement of air from mm. a cab the mic you know in rock music that is paramount You, you have to have that kind of feel but because we weren't able to do that everything had to be recorded digitally so we put the bass tracks down and then i'm thinking to myself you know i need to try and look at trying to put a band together now then to get this album done i wrote to a lot of my friends And instead of them coming back with recommendations for people that fitted the Thunderstick remit, you know, for the image, for the live staff, and also for the playing ability, Mm. a lot of them offered up their services instead. And I thought, you know, long and hard about it and thought, you know what? Maybe I should do it like this. Maybe I should have what bad because I thought the material I had was really strong. I mean, a lot of it harked back to material that I'd written in the, you know, in the past, mm. but had never seen the light of day, had never been recorded correctly. And also I had started rewriting with Dave Kilford, my ex-guitarist who was on the Something Wicked album nice um anyway a lot of these guys came back and said you know what I do, I can't really recommend anybody but I would be more than willing to you know give you my <laughs> give you my time Perfect. and I thought Yeah, perfect. I thought, you know what, let's do this. So I have used numerous guitarists on this album. I am really so pleased with it. I think the material on it is possibly some of the best material that I've ever written. I certainly know that the musicianship on it is really, really strong. Um, And I ended up with, I don't know, a mainstay of about six or so, six, seven different people that have contributed to the album all with all they all, all bring their personal styles to it um and uh, at the same time i was learning uh, logic pro mm. so it was uh, that was a bit of a, <laughs> a learning curve for me you know i'd be i'd spend all day doing stuff editing shaving things and you know making it a little bit more precise etc etc and uh I'd, I'd come back the next day and there would be a, a little message that popped up that these files were unobtainable oh and i'd God. lost ev- i'd lost everything that i'd done the day and so it was a real kind of learning curve for me you know there were loads of days that were lost but we got there in the end um also the fact that a lot of the guitarists to try and save time recorded with their effects on Whereas I, in hindsight, what I should have asked for is for everybody clean. to record. clean, Yeah, clean signal. And then that way I would be able to, during the mix down, be able to do what I wanted with them. But, you know, we got there. Anyway, It's it took years and years and years. And it it was only a matter of about two months ago that I finished the album in its totality i mean we've now got an album that i'm really really pleased with um the other thing on the mix was that i had to try and make it a compound sound a universal sound to make it sound like an album because nobody wants to buy an album and have one track sounding like this and another track sounding completely different and you know as we go through all the songs it has to be a rounded type of um product um and we got there, um, and uh, I am really proud of it. In the meantime, I put together a live band. Um, I have two new guitarists now, and they are really working well together. They only appear on one track on the album. All the rest of my friends, um, everybody gets a, a real good credit on the on the album. <laughs> and it's just been such a I, it's been a, a a hard journey but at the same time it's really been a labor of love because those people that that um gave me their time and their and their ability on the album I am so grateful to them I really am. so so that's where we are we've been doing gigs um Next one, we've, we've been out to Poland. We, we did um, wow. a show out there that really went well. Um, we've recorded it and videoed it. So hopefully that will be uh, somewhere along the line I'll be able to put that together and, and put it out there. Um, we just done a festival last week, which is really good. Next one is France, which will be next month. Yeah, uh, in, uh, I think it's the first week in November. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're taking on work and um, the band are going from strength to strength. I mean, Raven has just, her stagecraft and her vocal ability just blow people away. Wherever we play at the moment, they just love her. So as as do I. I mean, it's quite an experience for me. Each night that we play, um, from behind my kit, watching her stage persona, because she she changes between you know we have a, a storyline within It's Always it's always as you know has been uh, there is a degree of theatricality mm. to it. Um, we've always been like that. I, you know I constantly <laughs> I worship at the at the altar of Alice Cooper. <laughs> mm. so I mean, so it's always been good and important for me and she takes on the these different personas throughout the throughout the gig and um it's great because you watch the audience reaction to her different personas and they really love it i mean mm. we've now passed since we last spoke we have now passed 40 years of thunderstep yeah, which is it is really exciting. Yeah, we did uh, a 40th um, anniversary show at the Carton Horses, the, the birthplace oh, of yeah, Iron Maiden. Maiden. Yeah, cool. Yeah, plus the fact that, I mean, made Maiden played in London recently, um, I think in July, we did one of the after parties at the at the Carton Horses as well. So, yeah, that was really good. Oh, is good. that
0: right? Okay, that's fantastic, yeah, well, that- bringing things full circle in a way
1: yeah yeah a lot of people that had been to the maiden show then jumped on the underground or whatever mode of transport they had and then they would come over to the east end That's like, uh, i mean yeah. we didn't we didn't go on on stage until past midnight hmm. so uh, yeah they all sort of turned up at, at our gig and and thoroughly enjoyed our gig which is great yeah. so yeah I, I can't wait for people to hear this album we've got a single out at the moment We've done a, a single called "Go Sleep with the Enemy," I dare you. And um, I don't know whether you've got a copy of that yet. Uh, I've been listening
0: to it a fair bit, actually. I like uh, it. Yeah. And I'll be—I'll yeah. be honest, mate. At first, it was a bit of sacrilege to be honest, because I thought you did such a great job first time around with Lucy. I, yes, I didn't think yeah. you could improve on it. Now, I'm not suggesting you've improved on it, but you've certainly equaled it, and that's extremely rare.
1: Thank you very much. That's really, really kind of you, mate. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know as a like, family, yeah, I- you know how big a fan I was of the the album with Lucy, you know, I was, I really, you know, I put that flag up really high and it's still one, I've got it on vinyl. It's one of the few albums I bought recently on vinyl, you know, in the last few years on vinyl. But it's, um, I wanted to ask you just, just in and amongst everything else, you've, your journey hints at the musician's quest in that you're at the head of the band. At what stage? We all want a band to be a democracy. But it doesn't work. So, at what stage do you go? I can't do this anymore. And does it become a benevolent dictatorship? And your journey of the last six years illustrates that.
1: Oh wow, that's a loaded question. That <laughs> one oh, came out of left field. Um, yeah, it, 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 it has. It's a double-edged sword. Um, some, some of the sometimes the band get it and they understand that. Uh, the other side to that is the fact that yes, it has led me to have various issues with various guitarists. Hence, the reason that as we started recording um, the new album, uh, I parted company with two of the guitarists. And it was down to it was down. To, well, I'll, I'll give I'll give it to you straight. I mean, I should be really truthful with you. One of the guitarists we were putting down. A track um, of one of the uh, songs that I had written in the back in the day—a song that uh, that I really believed in and was really really close to me. Mm. Um, the reason it was close to me was in the way that we used, or I I wrote, um, "I Closed My Eyes," was all about Jody mm. um, and her passing. Um, this track was, uh, a track called Hold On Me, was the very last thing that I recorded with Jody as a demo back in the day. Mm. And so it always had a, a really strong connotation for me. It meant a lot. And we were putting this um, this track down and um, he just kind of, the guitarist, uh, who was one of my, my live guitarists, um, he kind of just threw his dummy out the pram and I told him to get over it in no uncertain terms and he didn't get over it and he just went and he left. So mm. um, a shame, but at the same token, it also helped me it helped me deal with it because um, I mean there was a certain amount of angst between he and I the band is called thunderstick um i have written on this album on on something wicked i wrote all the songs and co-co-wrote with some and it's the same on this album there's an 80% of it, of of the album are my songs and the other 20% i've co-written with people um and it just is a it's a fine line that as having your own band it's so, it seems to be an acceptable thing if you're a guitarist or you're a vocalist, you're able to have your own band. But a drummer having his mm. own band, hang on, really? same you know, with bass but playing
0: I'm, too, mate. I can tell you, I can assure you, it's the same yeah. thing that people are just rude to you and they. Well, uh, unless they, you're
1: unless you're Steve, Steve Harris or Geddy Lee or someone like that. Yeah, of mm, course. Lemming. Yeah, <laughs> different yeah, story. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let me. Mm. I I mean, yeah, they seem to think that because we're a rhythm section we don't really class ourselves as musicians, which is mm. I mean, I have above everything else, I have always regarded myself as a musician rather than just a guy who hits things. Mm. And I mean, it's always been really strong to me. I've I've always written music and lyrics especially. Um anyway yeah back to your original question yes he went and then whilst we were in lockdown the other guitarist that I had taken on which was um had only been kind of I'd taken him on only just before lockdown um he wrote to me you know perfectly amicably and he said look mate I I don't really feel as though I'm part of this anymore because all the songs have been already written you have guitar lines already sorted out for yourself I'm not really bringing anything to the table and I said I totally understand no problem he's still on the album I mean I've kept his his guitar tracks the guy the guy that um the first guy that I parted company with he's not on the album. So I made the clean break of that. But the way it works is that I have two new guitarists now that have been with me over a year, and and they accept it. They understand I take I take the lead in rehearsal because only I know what I'm looking for. And there comes a stage where you just you you step back from it. Then you know, okay, I've taken you this far as regards of your musicianship and how I see the arrangement and what you should be doing. Now I'm able to step back from that and just let you guys get on with it. And if you want to put embellishments in that are true to the arrangement and true to the general spirit of the song, I'm not going to stop you. That's great. But if you start over playing and you start putting in things in that aren't in my in my viewpoint um relevant to the song then I will st- I will say so and go no I don't want that I want this so that's kind of how it is it's not it's not being arrogant or anything like it. it's just I've been I've been around for many years now and mm-hmm. I just know what I want from a band and I regularly get together with Raven as well you know I I I her I her musicianship I never question. I am one of her biggest fans. I mean, I can't wait for you to hear the album. I really can't because if you liked Lucy, you'll be blown away by what Raven has put down on this album.
0: Hmm. Oh, She's done a great job with something, uh, with uh, sorry, with the, the single there, the re-recording. Go Sleep
1: With The Enemy, yeah. Go Sleep With yeah. The
0: Enemy, yeah. One of the things that the reason I liked, and I, I mentioned this to you when we caught up last, was that the dynamic between your drumming, I love your drumming by the way. I love that shuffle feel that you've got to it. Okay. Thank you. Thank but you. the dynamic between that and Lucy's vocal, which are very, which is very much that pronounced and proper English style. Okay. Now, that was one of my favorite aspects of the album there. Along with Killer Riffs, the lyrics were were insightful. Okay. Took you on a bit of a journey as well. What would you say are the strengths then on the newer songs that you've written?
1: So you just you've just told me what they are, yeah. The fact that they that I I regard them as killer riffs. I I especially with the lyrics, um, they have a lot of meaning to them, and um, the orchestration of it. Now I've done a new version of "I Close My Eyes," and I've done a full orchestration version of it, and. Um, It's you know the the track itself on something wicked was quite simplistic, and its beauty was that simplicity. But I have now done another arrangement of it that, um, as I've just said, is fully orchestrated so I would love to hear people's oh, take on what that is. But, but yeah, I mean, all those things that are important to me, lyrics that actually mean something, songs that actually go somewhere, melody lines that you can actually take away from listening. Once you've listened to the song, you can go, wow, I, I want to hear that again. And And my production on this album actually goes back to earlier stuff it it, it such as um echoes from the analog asylum when i put that out in 2011 yep. was all the early recordings um I think with um, with the simplicity that Something Wicked had, uh, a lot of that was intentional, but a lot of it also was the fact that I didn't have a great deal of time in the studio. We mixed it in two days. The mm-hmm. guitarist and myself sat down and mixed the whole thing in two days. And people like yourself came back and said, you know, you've captured that that new wobbum simplicity about it um and it was intentional to do that but also it was financially motivated as well because i didn't have any more time left in the studio i had to get it done whereas this album i've been able to spend a lot longer on it because i've been able to sit on my on my studio stuff here and i've been able to add and um you know embellish various bits and pieces to it so it's a different sounding album. I think a little little more complex this mm-hmm. time. And that's why I love it, because I think it does sound, it stands up in its own right.
0: Can you share the title of the or the name of the album yet?
1: Yeah, it's called Lockdown. Okay. Appropriate. <laughs> <it> or not. <laughs> Originally, well, I had another title for it. Um, that other title was called Beware the Dark Cabaret Hooligans, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and That's it a good ran one. in.
1: Yeah, it ran well. I'm actually uh, originally I had some artwork. That, uh, the same guy has done the artwork for the uh, sleeve. The same mm-hmm. guy that did the uh, Something Wicked artwork, and also we did a a live album. I don't know whether you ever uh, you heard of that as well. We did a live in France album. And that was called Something Wicked This Way Came. Um, okay. And it's the band, band life. Uh, he did the artwork for that. Um, but it something, uh, the um, title of Beware the Dark Cabaret Hooligans um, is a five-word five title. And most of my titles echo from the analogue of silence. Something Wicked This Way Comes. Something Wicked This Way Came. They're all five-word titles. Mm-hmm. But... I think, you know, at the end of the day, the, um, the artwork's phenomenal as well for the new title, Lockdown. Um, I think that Lockdown became a lot, a lot more relevant because of everything that was recorded. I mean, all the guitar tracks, as I, I said, have been done um, just by plugging straight in DI and using software. Mm. So, um, and that was, a, and a as a matter of course, because of lockdown. I mean, yeah. it's, it was awful, wasn't it? I mean, I, I'd also, the other side of, to all that is, I don't know how you find it, but coming out the other end of it, I find the music industry has changed dramatically. Uh, it's just something that these days I don't really recognise. I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to stuff like that, you know, because I hark back to the day, you know, when you would once upon a time, a, a management a, a person would step out of the shadows and go, you know what, boys, I'd like to manage you. Mm. And then that manager would then hopefully get you a publishing deal to give you a little bit of money for yourself and he would hopefully get you a record deal to be able to afford an advance and put together tour support yeah. and just general artist development that doesn't exist anymore that kind of world the iron maiden kind of world the the way that they have progressed it doesn't exist anymore and i feel really sorry for bands because it's 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 great in some respects that you have diy musicians who will put together an album in their in their bedroom, and they will be able to sell it online, you know, because of uh, what do they call it? Um, oh Christ, what's the name of it? Algorithms. Oh, yeah, yeah. the
0: algorithms. algorithms. Yeah. yeah,
1: and your and your viewing audience on YouTube and all that. You know, we we lost out on a big gig because our algorithms didn't tally up, and we didn't have as many YouTube that's how Um, it's done
0: these days you're right you're spot on it's all about the audience The build you know i write books as well and publishers won't talk to you unless you've got eighty thousand facebook followers as an author
1: yeah it's like okay well but it sucks
0: it's not about i I don't even care if they want to develop the artist anymore but at least bloody take a chance and at least have it as a part of your stable so that people can stumble across it or something but but just saying to artists okay like especially you with your legacy no, that's that's nuts. So you were a very yeah. early member of Iron Maiden. Of course, there's Samson. Yeah. You're an integral part of Bruce Dickinson's career. There's some cachet yeah. there with you. Anybody with any marketing now, if you wanted them to go that way, would say, here's the bloke who was there at the very beginning at the cart and the horse with Steve Harris. He was also yeah. in a band with Bruce Dickinson. This is what he's been yeah. doing for the past 40 years on and off. But the, the key point is the strength of your material, it's there. Yeah, okay, so. You. But these bloody all these festivals and stuff—they got them here too, mate. And I don't, I don't play that game. That's why I still play covers and play to people drinking on th- on Friday and Saturday nights because it just yeah. annoys me too much, mate.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I, I kind of, I haven't had a rent. Um, I put together sleeve notes for the new album, mm. and I just got things off my chest. Uh, and and I, I talk, I talk about things like that. And I think it's, I think it's important that you know people like you that understand it all. You you will take the time to sit down and you will read the sleeve notes and hopefully it's something that you will be able to connect with. Um, I mean, we are in a in an age where um, that um, mimicry rules. <laughs> um you know i can't go out and get a gig or I, I get a gig where they say no we can't afford that we can't afford to pay you that and yet they will take on an iron maiden tribute band called high on maiden or yeah, iron mm. Maiden or or you know whatever they're called um and they and they practice the art of mimicry you'll get them you know if they'll try and dress the same as whatever era they're covering of a via maiden and they'll use the same instruments, you know, they the bass player will have a fender whatever precision the P or something. Bass with the West Ham yeah, sticker on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah all that. And they'll just and they'll and they'll emulate parts of the show as well. You know, they're obviously budget allowing, you know, they're they can't have kind of bloody great huge spitfires or whatever. But you know, they will try and emulate part of the maiden show and the drummer will even have his kit decorated in iron maiden you know regalia and i just i i don't get it i really do not get it and part of the problem i have with my own band is that i have to be really careful about which gigs that i i take on because uh, all four members of my band are out there doing their solo stuff. Uh, well, Raver, for example, she will do gigs that pay well with backing tapes and yeah. she'll sing, you know, she'll sing soft rock and, yeah, and I do the you same, know, AOR, yeah. AOR I know. all that kind of thing. And I say to them, uh, can we get together to rehearse? You know, the, my band, I'm never going to get them squeaky, clean, tight because none of them can afford me that time to be able to do that. Mm. I mean, it's different. You know, you go back to the day when I was paying a retainer wage to my band. We would get into rehearsal and we would rehearse and rehearse and rehearse to get it super tight so that when we did go out on a show, people go, wow, they were really together. They were really tight. I can't do that. with with my current band. And so there is a a kind of looseness within our performance. But I've also noticed that some people really like that looseness. They like that... You know, it's like a Rolling Stones mentality. You know, where it, it kind of saunters along in in places, and sometimes it doesn't feel quite right, and other times it's smack on the timing and what mm. have you. And and the main reason for that is because I can't get everybody in a rehearsal studio at the same time. Because sorry, I'm gigging that night, and oh no, I've got to, I've got a you know I've got to do this, and um yeah. I mean, Rex is with two bands. He does an Ozzy Osbourne tribute band. Yep. um and he uh also has a, a covers band uh pete one of my guitarists likewise the only other person that, that in, that's in the band that doesn't dig outside of um State is dave the other guitarist and that's just by choice because he doesn't want to do that he doesn't he has you know he has full-time employment and um that, you know, gives him a wage, so he doesn't have to go this out and his, do this that. This
0: is stuff. his fun. This is where he gets his yeah. outlet from, where it sounds That's like the it. other ones are yeah. trying to earn money it's, from playing music, which is it, means exactly. you got to spread yourself very thin. But it's the same here, yeah. mate, yeah, and and you raise a really good point there about the the tribute shows. I was just recently talking to a bloke who asked me if I'd um, join, uh, you know, he didn't sort of ask me to join, but he sort of put it out there that there was an opportunity for this Slipknot cover thing, you know. All right. and, I, and I've seen the videos... There's, there's like 200 people in the same venue where we as a covers band get about 40, okay? Sure. So it's the it's a fan-driven thing for some reason, whether it's nostalgia yeah, it or whether they want to hear, and they want to hear and they want to see, exactly to your point there, whether it's the Iron Maidens, you know, the female tribute show, they want to see them do the same moves that they've seen yeah. a few times in the videos. It is so yeah. weird. And being, being 45, I must have grown up in a different era than what's coming out yep. now, these millennials and stuff that are coming through these Gen uh, Ys and Zs and all the rest of it that seem to want like a, I call it the digitization of performance.
1: That's it. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And I, I like you. I don't get it. I mean, you know, uh, you're, you're what, 45? <laughs> I'm old enough to be your father. <laughs> I'm, sev- I'm 70 next year. Yeah. I mean, so, I, but I, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. And it is fan base driven to mm. the point that they will have now mega festivals com- that comprise of all. Tribute bands, covers and
0: tributes. Yeah, I oh, know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I just said why don't you want to go and 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 see what an artist has actually managed to do? He's actually composed these songs that you're standing there listening to. You know, don't don't you understand that? That's what music is about: your originality and and putting the heart and passion into composition, rather than emulating somebody that you've seen on stage. I don't understand it,
0: but maybe. No, but potentially, you you raised another good point, which was that things changed markedly throughout COVID, and part of the issue there was right across the Western Hemisphere, we had this authoritarian overreach, which is locking people into their bloody abodes. So, like what was going on in Victoria and Melbourne. And yep. people got used to consuming content via screens, and it it changes people. It uh, rewires yeah. synapses. Okay, people didn't go out there for it was all told. It was consistently people didn't go out for about eighteen months across the Western yeah. Hemisphere. Okay, yeah. and parts of yeah. lock like, we weren't locked. we weren't too bad here, but certainly I didn't play a gig for six months. I can tell you that for a fact. There just were there was yeah. no. No bands allowed, it was social distancing, all the bullshit, you know. But yeah, yeah. it's had it's had an effect of social conditioning and there's all these unintended side effects or consequences. Repercussions, yeah. Yeah, repercussions. Yeah, it's a better way of describing it, where people now want these these types of shows that you're talking that we we we're, we're both saying hang on what the hell is going on here now well before covid this was a change that was kicking in before covid it just accelerated it because i can tell you for a fact mate the guys in dragon force they're in a system of a down cover band. it's it's i, I had to double check that that was is that the case yeah sure Richard Shaw yeah. from Cradle of Filth, I think, plays in one of those bands as well, where they do either a ghost tribute or something at the moment. So this tribute stuff, this cover stuff is big business. It's fan driven, as well as agent and fan driven. Yeah. We know that, yeah. but yeah, yeah. when you've got a great band and a great outfit like what, what you are and like what you have, and for somebody like me, this is like Manor From Heaven, an artist that I read about through the late 80s and early 90s, now you're back, and you and yeah. your is your intact because you're keeping on going. This is yeah. brilliant. But to be honest, mate, the chances of me seeing you in Australia are slim to, no. bloody none. I'd have to go to yeah, the UK. I, it,
1: yeah, it would never happen because you would never be able to get a promoter that would be willing to actually – take that that uh, chance and he's he's thinking it's oh, wrong you know maybe if maybe if i turn around and i said well i'm i'm doing a set of all Samsung material maybe maybe that would be a way but i you know they're like why should i, gonna I have mention to that. that no i know
0: um, I, i'm gonna I mention that? that no i'm look i'm with you mate believe me but there's because of you because of your legacy one way of getting around it all is to actually embrace it. And given the fact that you played Iron Maiden songs, that you you were part of, you probably helped write some of the early Iron Maiden material that made it onto the debut. And you definitely wrote some of the Samson stuff. You were a part of that. If you incorporated that oh, God, into the yeah. set list, I mean, if you incorporated that into the set list, you'd, you'd have something that may be very attractive to some of these promoters.
1: Well, when we did the fortieth anniversary show, one of the guitarists, uh, the guitarist that was in Maiden when I was in Maiden, um, a guy called Terry Watram, mm-hmm. he's on the he's on the album, by the way. Oh, great! Um, yeah, he he got up and did a a couple of tracks. We did "Running Free" and "Drifter." Um yeah and 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 that was great. that was really good. I, I you know, I'm playing Samson stuff in in my set as well it's not all thunderstick. I do I open up with uh, uh riding with the Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have of late been doing too close to rock, which is off the um, head-on album mm-hmm. uh Earth Mother of course we're doing that. so that's still in the set. But I, I just, yeah, but you're you're right. It it has been a a, a process of reconditioning people. I, I think that's a very very valid point that you're saying that people would still get their entertainment through a screen because they were in in self isolation, yeah. and promoters will only take a chance because they know that your general Joe down the road he wants to come and sing along a whatever it is, sing along a Maiden or sing along a Ghost or, yeah. or whatever you say. You know, Ghost not so much, because I, I think that they're a lot more of a, a kind of niche band. Maiden, obviously, because there is so much back catalogue and so much history that the tribute bands have got a plethora of material that they can play. but But the covers bands... Promoters, well, they love it. They jump at the chance of the covers band because they know that people want to get a few drinks down their, their neck and and they can sing along to all the songs that they recognise. Why do I want to go out on a Saturday night, and get pissed, hmm. and listen to a band that I don't know what their material is and I can't sing along to it? No, don't want to do that. I'd rather go and, you know, that's the way it is.
0: You've described a lot of my twenties right there, but it's gone. Those, yeah, you're right. Those those (laughs) days are over. I guess we can rage against it, or we can we can just embrace it and deal with it. I'll I'll, probably will end up playing in this Slipknot tribute show or what have you. But it's just it's another gig to me. Whether I'm playing Patrice Russians, forget me nots, or playing a Slipknot song, to me, it's it's all done on one of these two behind me, or mainly the bass. But it just gets to a point where, as long as you're playing, very different for you though with with your legacy. But uh, what just on that? Have you have you booked shows? So when lockdown is released, have you got a, some shows around the UK that you're going to be performing to promote it?
1: Yeah, yeah, we definitely will be. Um, I mean, there are a couple of things that I can't talk about because they're in the pipeline. You know the deal. Hmm. And uh, oh, you know, if I if I now talk about it, it might jeopardise the fact that we may not get it. But sure. yeah, we've got we've got a few festivals. We are going to go back to Poland next year and um, so that's good and i i want to promote it as much as i can but only only we're financially viable i mean it's yeah. I, I we don't we don't make huge amounts of money from thundersteam we're lucky if we get 150 dollars, say or something like that mm. each person out of a gig no matter how what size the gig is um i mean it's even it's got to the point now where bands are not able to make, and I'm talking about grassroots bands now, they're not able to make money at a grassroots level. And so you, the knock-on effect is that you will get venues closing down because of that, unless they're prepared to change and put these tribute cover bands on, whatever you want to call them. Mm. Um, so that the, the, you can't make money like that. So it got to the point where the only way you could make money as a band would be through merch, selling merchandise. Yeah. But even now, the bigger bigger gigs are now charging you money on, to take a, a cut of your merch income. And so, yet again, that cuts down what the band might earn. It's in, it's insane. <laughs> it really is. I don't recognize it at, at all, Andrew. I really don't recognize the, the music... Cool world that we live in these days is crazy. It's- yeah, we talked a and lot about this recently.
0: Yeah, sorry, just on that point that you talk about with the merch look, I wouldn't be selling merch. I don't do this, so I'm only talking philosophically here. But Ooh. a way to get around it potentially is to put a QR code up on the uh, behind you, underneath a, underneath a real T-shirt or whatever the merch item might be. Yeah. Click here yeah. to order. It'll be at your home within a fortnight. That sort of thing. Yeah. Selling them, yeah. there's bastards in the in the in the venue industry who are already making a fortune from the alcohol tab are just trying to dip their wick t- twice it's on that one there yeah. the only yeah. way you're going to make money to your point if you're getting paid 150 bucks i mean you might have 150 bucks man i know that's that's a lot of money to some but let's face it it's not a lot of money that it will pay half your gas bill or your electricity bill for the quarter or something you know is what i'm saying if it's yeah. there or it's not there it won't make too much of a dent for you but the merchandise sale as you know mate if you're selling Twenty or thirty t-shirts per night, plus a key ring and a cup, or something like that, or the all of your um, back catalogue is digitized on a on a USB stick. This sort of thing, and it gets sent to people. That's the way. it's investigated. I'm sure there's a model out there that you can plug into that somebody's already doing that for bands like at like that stage that you're at. But look, I, that's the way I'd be doing it, mate. Otherwise, well, yeah, you're just not any
1: money. The festival that we did last week, um, I bought a, a card reading machine for mm. us. And um, we did just that. We we put together a QR code, and anybody mm. that wanted to pre-order the um, the "Go to Sleep with the Enemy" single, just as you say, just had their phone and they they were able to scan the QR code, mm. and uh, they bought the single. I mean, we were selling the single at one pound fifty. So, I mean, and that's with the artwork as well. But it's just oh, it just gets harder all the time. It really does. Trying to keep a band out there gigging. I mean, look, you know, we haven't even touched on the on the um, streaming. Oh God, streaming. Mm. That well, no, there's no money in that
0: because you're not on. That's you know,
1: the,
0: you know, something wicked this way comes is not on Spotify. Is it not? Well, no, no. I mean, look, you, you get three fifths of bugger all for it being on there, yeah. but uh, look, you might as well get the five cents per quarter, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, the bugger all per quarter. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I, as you know, I've got. I think I've CD as well. Originally, so. I
1: originally put it out on Bandcamp, and um, I right. mean, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, but but streaming. I don't think music has. It it hasn't got the importance that it used to have for people of our generation. I can remember queuing up outside, you know, as as a youngster, queuing up outside a record shop waiting for a particular album to be released and waiting for them to open up. And, yeah, we've got them in stock now. There you go. You buy your album. You go home. You meticulously read through all the credit notes and where it was recorded and who and the special thanks to whilst listening to the album. That made it really special. Kids – Of a new generation they don't look on music as important as that and that is why streaming has become that kind of you know it's a throwaway disposable um it's a disposable you know music is despite it is a disposable product item if that's the way it is you know oh yeah well we you know i've listened to that a few times now bin that get rid of that and put this on you know
0: yeah, so. well, Spotify. The Spotify CEO's talked about how it's it's not about releases for musicians. It's it's about content, and I hate to admit it. He's actually spot on, and that's just the way that the model's going. That doesn't, you know, the old thing about hate the don't hate the uh, the player, hate the game. You know, well, it's impossible yeah. to hate the game if we all got to bloody participate in it. When an artist like you has got to participate in it, and that's all because of. And you you've already mentioned it, the algorithms that are out there. I find it. Listen, I find it with my podcast too. I've got. How many followers on Facebook? I know it's a couple of thousand and a bit less on um, Instagram. And certainly on YouTube, there's a couple of thousand there. And I can tell you for a fact, because I've studied social media and social media marketing, okay, even with that built-in audience there, a fraction of that, because I don't throw money at the algorithm, I'm not paying Uh YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram, so Google, Meta, and I don't know about yeah. Twitter these days or X with Elon. That's a bit of a different kettle of fish. But only a fraction of the people that have subscribed will see a new post. Only a yeah. fraction, and that's by design because to unlock the rest of your audience, forget about new people, your existing audience, you've got to throw money at it. So it's it's
1: and also time. You have to sit there and religiously oh. day in day out just sit behind a, a screen. And allocate that time to it to be able to do that. So, I'm never gonna, our fan base is never gonna grow to a point where I, well, to, to a level that I would like it to be. Yeah. It's, we're always going to be that, we, we're gonna have that little niche, and that's, that's about it. You know, the people in the know will, will, will like Thunderstick and will attend gigs and, and what have you. But I will never, ever be able to make that grow unless, as you say, I have the time or the finances to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. I have neither. So, it's... well, it sounds like i will come on here and just moaned moan incessantly about everything, wow. what is terrible about music these days. At the end of the day, though, the, the music is, for me, everything. It really is. And it's about guys like you. I mean... I finish our gigs when we, whenever we play a gig, and I come down front and I grab the mic, and it's you know you know reps on bass and blah 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 etc cetera, etc. Cetera. I always end up by saying to the audience not only a big thank you to you supporting Thunderstick, but also a huge thank you for for getting out here and supporting live music. Because that's what it's all about. Forget Thunderstick. We're really pleased you're here, and you love what we do. But you're here actually doing, a, doing a good service because by just being here, and and supporting live music.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're we're a global live,
1: live original music. So. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely a global cohort that support each other in that respect. You know, I've been doing this. Yeah six years now and i find it doesn't matter whether i'm talking to people in in great britain or the us or whatever country it might be parts of the eastern Bloc, poland's a great country i've done a few interviews with artists from there in the last 12 months and uh we're all cut from the same cloth us us muso types okay and yeah, we want to support yeah. the bands and it's just a matter of finding a way to connect with each other and generally speaking it's there's that network so it's almost gone underground again even though it's in plain sight. It's almost gone underground again. You know, Darren sending me the updates, this sort of thing. It's just finding people who do podcasts. I wish there were more podcasters. I wish there was more quality podcasts, no doubt. But yeah. uh just even having people to talk to you and to share the story, share your story would get it out there. And yeah. uh but mate, it's it's I've said it a few times on the show already too. I just feel like rock and metal and extreme metal, it's all dad music these days. The younger generation—they're interested yeah, yeah, in K-pop yeah. and J-pop—and they wouldn't—they couldn't even tell you a rock band outside of maybe Green Day or Bon Jovi—and that's because it was on an ad. Yeah,
1: month. yeah. There you go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. which makes it even more unbelievable the way that Iron Maiden have actually managed to build their their fan base to such an extent. Now it's in quite incredible that because the older generation are now taking their kids because of the it. imagery. Yeah. It's you know, it's the imagery. It's not about the music, I don't think, anymore. I really think it is about with Iron Maiden, and I probably got shot down in flames for saying so. It is about the imagery now. You know, they put so many people go along because they want to see the mm. huge great big eddies and, and which makes me laugh because originally Before I left Samson, um, there was really quite, we had quite an altercation, I had with the rest, especially Bruce. Mm. It was quite an altercation about, I wanted the theatricality in, in the band to continue. Uh, I, albeit it was a bit spinal tap yeah I you know the fact that I played inside a cage and we was we would turn up at several gigs that could never get the cage in through the front <laughs> door so, <laughs> so it could never be used but I mean um, I there was quite a, a difference of opinion between Paul Bruce and myself um, because all the time um, music journalists were wanted to talk about Thunderstick and the image of Thunderstick rather than samson and that and i just find it somewhat amusing i have a wry smile every time that i see the the way that bruce performs on stage now and the use of <laughs> masks and on the on the new tour he's he's firing cannons at a bloody huge great big eddie and I oh, mean, I mean, you know, for some of you, and I don't. It's not about theatre. I don't. I'm not interested in that. And we we played the marquee. One of the last gigs I did was the marquee show. Um, and he went on wearing a pair of jeans and a, a rugby shirt. You know, so I yeah. find it quite amusing. But there you go.
0: Oh, I
1: don't listen do to my, them in, yeah. who, do, who do I know? I'm I'm playing to 150 people at the very most down the road, and they're playing to 150,000 people. So what do I know?
0: Oh, I was a massive maiden fan back in the day in the nineties. I just don't listen to them now. Maybe I got inoculated and just listened to them too much, like the Metallica thing. Yeah. I just couldn't be bothered these days. And yeah. I've got yeah. some shit online and from some people even saying that and pointing out that I think their only decent single post Seventh Sun is only decent is the A Matter of Life and Death album where they had Benjamin Brigg yeah. on that. But I just oh, can't get anything else. Oh yeah, it's a brilliant track. song. That
1: oh. yes, that is. That's the one track that really jumps out at me. I thought, wow, that's that is really good. Well, it's very similar, writing. mate.
0: Yeah, it's. I feel yeah. the same way. And but I, I copped yeah. it from the peanut gallery as you do when you say maiden. Anything else except for Maiden Rules or Metallica Rules, mate. They just they can't hack it. The peanut gallery. Yeah. So yeah. you talked about you talked about something else there too about the intergenerational side of things too, and that's that's actually um, precisely where it's at. You know that that's why Motley Crue have come back, and more power to Phil and Def Leppard too. Those guys are powering on, and Scorpions. The yep. Motley Crue are absolutely awful, but the other bands, the British bands tend to be able to have kept it together probably better than a lot of the American bands, I've got to say, in particular yeah, on the yeah. membership front. They've held on to a lot of the members, whereas the American yeah. bands, it's sort of you look at Foreigner where they've got one or maybe no original members anymore. And yeah. There's a lot of yeah. that stuff, but there's just a lot of money in it.
1: I mean, I know quite a few people who went and saw Whiteslake and yeah. – um, they just were horrified that Coverdale wasn't singing the, the, the lot of the melody lines that he used to sing throughout the whole of his career, and it was all handed over to some. I think it was a, a female keyboard oh. player or.
0: Something like- oh, well, he's got a Croatian singer in behind him these days, ghosting. Oh, I think. Ghosting, mm. I, think he? I remember reading that, and he's got other members yeah. doing it, but. Uh- yeah, it's, uh, mate, it's a shame. And uh, look, unfortunately, I've got to wrap things up. I'm sorry, mate. I really would love to continue the chat because we always have such great conversations. But We do, yeah, uh, we do. What I'd, yeah, like,
1: do.
0: What I'd like to do, do
1: is... Let's do it again in another seven years, eh?
0: <laughs> well, I hope it's a lot sooner. I hope it's in a couple of months' That's right. time. Um, yeah, that would be great. After you've done some... Just, you know, reach out whenever you want to have a chat, mate. I feel like, you know, you and I can talk for hours about things and off-topic and on-topic, off and, on and we can yeah. keep it sane the entire time. So, look, anytime you want to have a chat, mate, and promote things and That's just great. talk about music in general, mate, just reach out, you know, and you know, i always have a chat to you.
1: That's great, Andrew. Thank you so much, mate. I've really enjoyed it, as always.
0: Well, there you have it, a conversation with Barry Graham Perkis from Thunderstick, formerly from Samson and iron maiden as well there are so many topics that we could dive into i really look forward to round three with barry i certainly hope it isn't in seven years time but if it is so be it i'll just look forward to it then (laughs) all right so there are many more chats like that one over at scarsandguitars.com and you people in the know you know that i've written a book for those of you that don't well now you do know too check it out by clicking the link in the banner on the website Go to a marketplace of your choice, you know the rest, you can always download a sample. Just please hit me up and let me know what you thought of the book and and leave a review. All those things are important, they help fight the algorithm, bring more good news stories from the world of hard rock, heavy metal, extreme metal and beyond to the people. There's some more information to share with you about the book, but before we get to that, I'll bid you a fond farewell. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it's a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return.
1: You know, if you're a band just starting out, you need to hear me.
0: Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words. Uh, sage advice, mate, for anybody.
1: Don't ever, because I I can't go do cold chamber right now unless I get others involved.
0: Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment.
1: I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs.
0: Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Oz from Demu Gear write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, And it's all cool. If the guests want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self aggrandizing
1: complete piece of shit in there I, I, I just I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place
0: and yeah we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura a overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Shaldina.
1: Chuck was always um
0: you know he was he was very you know very open-minded and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics, who dismiss his tenure, with Marilyn Manson.
1: You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot.
0: And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.